Hello and welcome to week 29, another week of A Heart for Scripture. This week you're going to be reading 2 Chronicles. And what amazed me in the reading this week was the abrupt ending of Solomon's life. So we read it in the first nine chapters how he had gained riches like no other man before him. He had fortified cities with high walls, with great gates. He had wealth and gold and riches. Multiple times in 2 Chronicles you'll read that. He had riches like no man before him and like no man after him. He had so much gold that even his forks and his spoons were made of it. He built temples and uh, thrones of gold. It says in 2 Chronicles that his annual income was over 22 tons of gold every year. Yet we read in chapter 9, verse 30, Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years, and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. In one verse, all his riches are gone from his grasp. I've read modern reports that say that Solomon was worth $2.2 trillion in today's money. So I looked up the 10 wealthiest people in the world, people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, and there's six other people on this list. And if you add all of their money together, it only adds up to half of what Solomon was worth. Yet billions of dollars, even trillions of dollars, can't add a single second to the life that God has already ordained for you or for Solomon. We see even later in 2 Chronicles as his son takes over in his place, that in one generation, all these riches are gone. He, his son, he, he forsakes the Lord, and the Lord uses the Egyptians to come and even plunder Jerusalem, and they take many of the riches that Solomon stored up. Riches in this life are not a good God. They forsake us. They leave us. Solomon didn't take any of these riches with him, and within one generation, his son loses all of them. But we read in, in Psalm 27, it says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Nothing of this earth is worthy of our trust besides the Lord. All of it goes away. It all fades, but the Lord is a sure foundation. So may you trust in the Lord this week. As we read, even in the New Testament, you'll be reading 1 Corinthians, you'll be entering into this book, and you'll see such a tactful yet bold way that Paul addresses sin in the life of these believers, in the life of this Corinthian church. And he leaves us with a strategy so that we can do the same. He actually has two steps in his strategy. First, he starts with gratefulness for the ways that God is at work in this church, and then he goes into his appealing in the name of Christ Jesus. So first, which is the opposite of what we might think is gratefulness for God's work in the life of this church. As you read through this letter, you're going to see that the Corinthian church was, was kind of messed up. They were steeped in sexual sin. They had problems with marriage and divorce. They had questions about head coverings, and they also had problems with unworthy worship, people blurting out tongues and prophetic words, and uh, Paul addresses all of these things. Even stronger members in the faith, there was a division between weaker members in the faith and how to care for them. So for Paul to start out with gratefulness to God for the work in their lives may seem strange to us. We may read this letter and the first time reading it think what they needed was a stern rebuke. Maybe would they even be called a church today because of all this sin in their church? 
Yet, that's not how Paul starts his letter. We'll see even in the opening verses in 1 Corinthians 1, 4, it says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. The only letter in the New Testament that Paul doesn't have a lengthy thankfulness for is the church in Galatia. Because he says, I'm astonished you have so quickly deserted the gospel. The reason that Paul can be grateful for the church in Corinth is because they haven't deserted what matters most. They keep repenting and they keep turning back to Christ. So he can be grateful for all the work that God is doing in their life. So that's where Paul starts. Not out of self-righteousness, not out of anger or disdain for the church, but out of deep love for what God has done in these Corinthians and for the repentance and joy in Christ. And out of that is his second step. He, he then appeals to them by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in verse 10 that he asked them to be united in mind and judgment. He appeals, not yells or angrily writes, but is firm in correcting them that they may live a life worthy of the God who saved them. He asked them to, to seek after the Lord and, and forsake sin. So this can be a lesson for us this week as we seek to help others live a life worthy of the gospel. We can start with gratefulness and thankfulness for all the ways that God is at work and then appeal to them to live a life worthy of the gospel. I'm praying for you this week that as you read God's word, you may be encouraged and that you may love Jesus, your Savior, more.